have your Bible with you or you'd like to use one in the back of the pew in front of you, turn with me to Deuteronomy, the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. Let's start the new year off taking a minor break from the book of Mark and want to visit a passage that if you were to rank Old Testament passages, this one probably lands in the top five. It could be number one. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, monumental chapter. We're going to read verses 1 to 12. This morning we're actually going to revisit uh, a message that I first preached eight years ago on New Year's. And as I prepped for this year, just kept coming back to this passage and this message and thinking, I need to sit down and listen to myself eight years ago. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. I need this as much as anyone. And so as I revisit this, I I hope that it is an encouragement to you, a motivation to you to walk with the Lord and focus on what matters this year. With all that in mind, we're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 12, and think how in 2022 we can major on the majors. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, And be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. They tell you college is only supposed to take four years. When you are a high school student considering your options, they will tell you that if you would like to get a bachelor's degree in whatever subject, it should take you 48 months to complete your objective. What they might not tell you, friends, is that over 50% of the students who sign up for college and go after a bachelor's degree 
take longer than 48 months. More than half. In fact, 10% of college students take over 10 years. It makes me think of a line the comedian David Spade once said, lots of people go to college for 10 years. Doctors. But that's not true. In fact, many students take a little bit extra time to finish their degree. Now, there's lots of reasons for that. Some of them are very acceptable. But in my experience, what I have seen happen so many times is that a student gets sidetracked. It could be a lot of different things coming into their life. It could be a new interest. It could be a new job. It could be a significant other that distracts them from focusing on anything. But something gets in the way and sidetracks them from their mission to finish college. Moses knew how easy it was to get sidetracked. He'd seen it over and over again. Forty years before this passage, God uses Moses to rescue Israel out of Egypt. You know that story. God brings Moses to himself. He sees him face to face on Mount Sinai. God gives his people the law. But what happens? Before Moses can even make his way down from the mountain with the law of God, the people of Israel have become sidetracked. They've become distracted. They've gathered up all their jewelry, all their gold. They've welded it together under the oversight of Aaron, and they've built up a golden calf to worship. And they've claimed, they've even sung songs that said this golden cow rescued them from Egypt. By the grace of God, he spares some of these people in Israel, and he brings them to the promised land. He brings them to the cusp of the land of milk and honey. But they look out there, and they see giants. And what happens? The people of Israel get sidetracked. They get distracted. They forget who their God is. And so God puts them out into the wilderness, and they walk around for 40 years. And they're about to get to the promised land again. But before that happens, Moses has to die. Only Joshua and Caleb are allowed into the promised land from that old generation. And so Moses is about to go. And he knows how easy it is going to be for it to happen again, to get distracted. That is the purpose of Deuteronomy. Literally, the word Deuteronomy means second law. God is not giving Israel a second law. He's not giving them a new law. He's giving them the same rules, the same statutes, the same commandments again. Why? As a reminder to this new generation to not forget the Lord, to not get distracted, to Remember what is most important. We're not about to walk into a land of milk and honey, but we have entered a new year. Friends, in 2022, we need to hear what the people of Israel needed to hear. Friends, forget all 
of the minor distractions. Forget all of the drama that consumes this world. In 2022, if you can do one thing to live your life and glorify God, it should be this. Major on the majors. Focus on what matters most. Live for what lasts and what counts. I want to give you three majors to pursue. If you do these three things, if you live for these three things, it's going to be a great major year for you. First major to pursue, your relationship with the Lord. Major on your relationship with the Lord. Look at verses 1 to 5 with me again. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. How important is this passage? How major is this section we just read? Well, when Jesus is asked what is the most important commandment, he quotes this. Jesus has the opportunity to rank the most important things God has ever said, and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. There's nothing more basic, and you know this and I know this, but it should be said. There is nothing more important than how you and I relate to God. There's nothing more central. Shouldn't surprise anyone. It didn't surprise anyone in Jesus' day. This passage is called the Shema. It was a daily prayer that the, the Jews would memorize and say over and over again. If in the Old Testament, this, this verse, you consider it the, the Shema, it was like the Lord's Prayer and John 3.16 combined. It was that important for the life of Israel. Our relationship with God matters more than anything else. Now notice all the promises that introduce this passage. Just in the first three verses or so, God tells them their days will be long, things will go well with them, they will multiply, they'll have kids, they'll have be in a land of milk and honey. They're not going hungry. What does this truth mean for us? Friends, there is satisfaction and joy when you're in right relationship with God. Can you let that sink in for a moment? Because our entire life is one in which we forget that that is true. We run around trying to find some satisfaction trying to find some joy, when all we really need is to be living in right relationship with God. John 15, verse 11, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, 
that my, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And there's two calls in this passage that Moses gives to the people and what it looks like to live in right relationship to God. And ironically, it's not what we would think would happen in the Old Testament. It's not what the Pharisees would think. Why? Because the Pharisees focused on all the minors. But Moses, when he gives them this call to live in right relationship with God, first he tells them to recognize who God is, to know him. He says in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The danger for them is they're about to enter a land full of idols, full of false gods. And there is one God, one God alone. Verse 14, if you look at it down later, Moses writes, You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. God is a jealous God. He doesn't just want you to acknowledge that, to know that that is true. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God. It's not just the only God. He's a personal God. He is a God who can be yours. He is a God who can be ours. This isn't just a general call to recognize there's a creator. Creation's important. God wants you to have a relationship. God wants you to know him, to recognize who he is, and then to respond to what he's done. Verse 5, you know this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Where is your relationship with the Lord? January 2nd, 2022. If you take an inventory of how you spent 2021, we want to zoom out and think how our life has been so different since March 2020. You want to take the last 18 to 20 months of your life, look at it all together. You loving the Lord, your God, with all your soul. When you think about how you interact with people, what you spend time thinking about, what you spend time posting about, what you spend time talking about at the coffee shop. Are we loving God with all of our heart? With all of our strength? Friends, if we're going to major on the majors, if we're going to do one thing this year, give the Lord everything that you've got. Give Him every ounce of strength, every ounce of energy that you have. Every morning, your, your first thought, your every thought. Give Him every breath. He's, he's worthy of that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. As we focus on that major, as we focus on our upward relationship with the Lord, it should move us in how we relate to one another. That's why the second major is horizontal. Second major that we could focus on this year are relationships steeped in the Word. Relationships steeped in the Word. Let's read verses 6 to 9. Moses says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall 
talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Try to stick with me on this. Life with God is like a bag of tea. And the rest of your life is the hot water that the bag of tea is steeped into and filters out all that flavor. As you focus on your relationship with the Lord, we need to flavor the rest of our lives with others, with that relationship we have with God. It's supposed to to move beyond just this one-on-one connection with the Lord. It's supposed to impact. It's supposed to influence. It's supposed to flavor everything else about us. His Word is supposed to permeate, saturate every sphere of our life. That's why this one passage, almost in two verses, goes from the greatest command to the Great Commission. From love the Lord your God to make disciples. Moses is saying, if if you're not going to lose sight on what matters, then the words of God, his law, not only needs to be on your mind, it needs to be on your lips. It needs to be in the words that you you say everywhere, where you sit. Where do you sit? Got a favorite seat in your house? Someone does. Are the words of God permeating there? The seat you have at the dinner table, that's your seat, no one else's seat. Or Baptist, the seat you're sitting in normally on Sundays. Does the word of God permeate, flavor that seat in your fellowship with other believers as they come in and out of the room? When you walk, where do you walk? Maybe you walk around the neighborhood with one of your neighbors, around the mall. I guess that's a thing. Walking your kids to school, walking your kids to their clubs, to their sports activities. When you lie down, and when you get back up. As one writer puts it, the law was to be the topic of ordinary conversation in ordinary homes in ordinary life, from breakfast to bedtime. We say words so much we don't know what they mean anymore. One of those words for us in the church is discipleship. We don't know what discipleship is. We think it's a class. We think it's a study. We think it's what we're learning. Friends, that's not discipleship. Discipleship's not just what you learn about God. It's what you take to give to others. Notice, God wanted this for all his people. He he is not giving commands to Joshua and Caleb. He's talking to all of Israel and saying, wherever you live, in your living room, talk about the word. When you're cooking eggs for breakfast, talk about the word. When you're out doing your job, and you're out in the fields getting the harvest, talk about the Word. 
when you're putting your kids into bed, talk about the Word. When you are going to bed, talk about the Word. God wanted this pattern in the lives of everyday people. Translation, it is not just for pastors or for teachers. This kind of saturation, this kind of permeation, this kind of all-encompassing life where the Word is steeped in our conversations and in our relationships is for everyone who belongs to God. It's for you in your everyday life, in your ordinary, everyday activities. So let me ask you, friend, how saturated are your relationships? Do you have any relationships right now that are just dripping with God's Word? Even in our relationships in the church, consider, do any of our relationships have the flavor of Scripture? Are we just all Chiefs fans? We just like the similar musicians or... Do we follow the same news channel? Or we have the same convictions about policy and government? How many of our relationships, how many of our conversations when we see people here are about the verses that we're we're meditating on in the morning? How many conversations do we have in this room before worship, after worship, where we're talking about The scripture that we're memorizing with our kids. Or the book that we're reading that opened up a passage of scripture in a way we've never seen. I don't think that conversation rarely happens. We have permeated our life with worldly things that don't matter, that won't last, that won't be in the promised land. If we're going to major on the majors then every relationship we have is an opportunity to saturate the gospel, to soak up the word. If you're a parent, you have the primary responsibility to make sure that your home is filled with the words of God. From breakfast until bedtime, on the couch or in the car. Sunday school, Wednesday nights, That's not supposed to be the only time our kids hear the gospel. That's just reinforcement. And some of you are in a different season of life. You may think this does not apply to you, but you cannot lose sight of the fact that Scripture is clear. The church is a family. 1 Timothy 5, verse 1, Paul tells Timothy, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. So regardless of what your home looks like, we're a family. And so our relationships and our conversations should look like Deuteronomy 6. And so whether you're talking about the home you live in or your church home you belong to, we need to be like Joshua. In Joshua 24, 15, he says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. Let me try to make it practical for you. I want you to consider this and apply it. Make, make some action here. If you're going to major on the majors in 2022, who can you saturate with the gospel? What relationship can be steeped with the good news of Jesus? Where can you start gospel conversations? Another image that I'd like to share with you is the sponge. You hear people say they want to soak it all up like a sponge. And when someone gets really excited about discipleship and life with God, maybe they act as if they want to soak up all of Scripture like a sponge, which is helpful. But consider what happens when a a sponge soaks up all the water and then it just sits. And it never lets the water out. What happens? It sours. It goes bad. It becomes useless. What do you think happens to Christians when all they do is soak up and they never release and saturate something else? They sour. They go bad. They become useless. Do not be the sponge that just sits on the shelf. Once the word gets inside of you, squeeze it out. Saturate your home, your workplace, your family, your neighborhood. What relationship do you have right now that's too dry? Steep it in the word. Ephesians 4 verse 25, therefore having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. I want to be very clear with you. I'm not encouraging you to do this or challenging you to do this because I want you to feel guilty about how much we're not doing this. That's that's not my angle here. I want to point you down the road like Moses is doing to where life with God is, to where the milk and honey is. We're missing out. There there is goodness for us if we will take God up on the challenge to to saturate our lives with the word. And so if we're going to keep majoring on the majors, there's one more I want to give you for 2022. Your relationship with the Lord is first. Relationships with others, steeping them in the word, that's second. But the third major we can focus on this year are reminders of grace. Reminders of grace. I want to show you this in verse 10 to 12. Maybe my favorite part of this passage. Moses writes, And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things, that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. On the verge of the promised land, Moses tells the people, when you get to the milk and honey, remember the difference between what you deserve and what you get. This generation isn't the generation that that earned their way into the promised land. That's not why they get there. 
They're not better than, than anyone else. They're there because of the grace of God. They're experiencing life in the promised land like everyone else did not get to do, not even Moses, because God is gracious. We think that grace is a New Testament concept. We think the Old Testament is all wrath, all anger, all bad, and that the New Testament's all love and all grace. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what should not surprise us is that when we get to Deuteronomy 6, what do we see? The grace of God. Verse 10, God says, Moses says, God swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. If you read their stories, they were messed up too. They were not deserving of God's favor. And this generation is is the same. This is actually the theme of the next three chapters of Deuteronomy. I want you to see this, just how saturated Deuteronomy is with grace. And what it would mean for us today in our time. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 to 9. We're just going to look at the next three chapters. If you still have your Bible open, you can see how it all connects. Deuteronomy 7. Moses says, it was not because you were more in number, that wasn't the reason, than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So it's not because they're more in number. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 17 to 18. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So it wasn't because of their numbers and it wasn't because of their power. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 6. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. For you are a stubborn people. That's gospel, isn't it? Moses is telling them, when you enjoy your new house in your new city and you eat those crops from your new gardens, remember God's grace. Easy question. If it were true for the Israelites 1,500 years before the cross, how much more true do you think it is of us? John 1.16, for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. I want to be clear, the new life that we can experience in Christ is not because of us. It is not because of our power. It is not because of our righteousness. It is because of what Jesus Christ did in his power, in his perfect life, in his righteousness when he died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave. 
and offers the opportunity to enter a life of milk and honey, a promised land with God forever, if we would repent and believe. This is the gospel, brothers and sisters. Romans 3, verse 24, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And if there is anyone here today who has never experienced God's grace, the best way to start this new year is to not make a goal about how you can be a better person, but to receive the grace of Jesus, to believe what he did for you on the cross and the resurrection. He will make you new, and you won't have to make any new goals for the year because he's going to be doing some work in your life. And that's what I would encourage you to do. But for so many of us who've experienced that new life, friends, major on grace. Think about the difference between what you deserve and what you actually get. Don't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because you want God's approval. Don't disciple your kids or teach others or saturate your conversations with the gospel because you want to be more holy or righteous enough to be one of God's people. Do these things because you've already experienced God's love and mercy and grace. Because look, when we reach the new heaven and the new earth and we live in a house that we did not build and we eat from these new gardens that we did not plant, that's all it's going to be is grace. We will be reaping the benefits of somebody else's work. So like the Israelites who are getting ready to head into the promised land, brothers and sisters, go into 2022 and live in light of what Jesus Christ has already done. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That should be our goal this year. Not get stronger, not get smarter, not get better. Be strengthened by the grace that we already have in Christ Jesus. Let him do his work in us. Friends, with that good news, I beg and I plead with you, and I beg and plead with myself. Ignore the minor stuff. Forget about those things that are so little and so petty and not worth it. They're not worth it today, and they're definitely not worth it for eternity. Let's press on and look forward at the promised land ahead and major on the majors. Let's pray.